Hello, I am Philip Kennedy. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. It gives me great pleasure uh, to be here first and to welcome our honored guest, the celebrated Lebanese novelist and public intellectual Elias Khoury. Khoury plays a major role in the Arabic cultural scene and in the defense of the liberty of expression and democracy. Khoury, an author of more than a dozen novels, many are translated to numerous languages, was the editor of Mulhaq al-Nahar and author also of numerous critical essays and political, I should say, essays uh, published in various newspapers and journals in the Arab world. Khoury, of course, needs no introduction, and especially at this institution and to this learned audience. Novelist Khoury took the stage at NYU Abu Dhabi Institute 10 years ago today, leading the first of hundreds of conferences and events to be held at the Institute. Khoury returns as a reminder of what the Institute has achieved in a decade. Please join me in welcoming our honored guest, Ilyas Khoury. In 10 years, of course, the Institute has grown in significant ways. But in these 10 years, the Arab world has been caught between vicious wars, failed revolutions, exile, and waves and waves of refugees. We in the Arab world live in the time of the collapse of values, collapse of meanings, the collapse of order and authority, but also the collapse of resistance as well. Ilyas, and this is a question for you. What is the role, or is there a role for literature today in this chaos? <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, good evening, everybody. Thank you for having me here. Uh, thank you, Phil. I, I'm really very, very touched uh, to come to this uh, to this uh, uh, gathering and the 10th uh, anniversary of this great work. I knew Phil when he began this work, and I knew how much he had put energy and and and, and enthusiasm and intellectual uh, approaches. And I'm really proud uh, to be with you all and proud to be speaking to you. Of course, I'm not proud of the situation that my uh, friend and colleague Bilal described. He's putting me in a corner beginning with the toughest question that ever can be asked in a moment, uh, in a moment uh, uh, of, of despair, let's say, in the, in the, in the Arab world and of despair in the Arab cultural scene, actually. Uh, 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 what is the role of a writer? I really don't know. All what I know is that the writer has to write. And in writing, <clears throat> writing itself, 
Writing itself is an act, is a double act. First of all, it's an act of love. You cannot write if you do not love what you are writing about. And and in the situation where in the Arab world, <clears throat> where hatred is dominating, I come from a devastated a country which was devastated by a civil war uh, 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 for fifteen years with 120,000 people who were killed. And uh, I, during the Lebanese Civil War, we never realized that it was only a small rehearsal of the destiny of the region. And unfortunately, the Lebanese Civil War is not, nothing to be compared with the disasters that took place afterwards. When, when the Arab Spring, when the Arab Spring uh, was destroyed, and it was destroyed by multiple reasons. I don't want to enter through that, uh, 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 but and 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 the counter revolution and despotism uh, uh, won. Now, at least for the time being, won won the battle. But what is winning a battle like this with millions of refugees, with 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 hundreds of thousands of people who are killed? with the blood that is surrounding us everywhere, with forgetting, and this is a major issue, with forgetting the Israeli occupation and what the Israelis are, are, are planning and are executing nowadays in Palestine, especially after the law of, uh, uh, of nationality, which is declaring Israel as uh, an apartheid regime in the region, or in the international situation where what is becoming dominant is a vulgar language and, and, and is a new type of, let's say, not fascism, but it's very near to fascism. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm afraid to say, where values are destroyed. Since, since the Second World War, uh, uh, the, whole, the whole human experience was, was an attempt to build a, a values of respect, values of equality, values of dignity, and especially in the, in the anti-colonial movement. Nowadays, all these values are disappearing. And we have to face a fact which we never thought we will face. A fact that the world can change to the worst. This idea that the world is going forward is proved to be, to be, to be meaningless. The world can go anywhere. It's up to us to decide where we will take it or not. In this sense, the first, the first thing in writing is, as I said, love. Love to the others. Love to the, to, the, to the people you are writing about. Love to your characters. And here, it's, it's not, I'm not speaking about love just mm. in general. I'm speaking about, about concrete love. It's a concrete personal experience that if you are a writer and you do not go through it, you will never at arrive to achieve 
what, what, what I think is something profound. And in this love affair, this love affair is very complex. Because, you know, in love, there is always, uh, there is always cheating. <laughs> we, we cheat, we cheat our characters and they <coughs> cheat on us. There is always separation. There are always difficulties. And I remember once I was giving a, a speech after the Gate of the Sun. It was in, in the university in Paris. And one, one, uh, one, one woman came and asked me to tell her more about Nahila. Nahila is the major character of the Gate of the Sun, saying that she told me, you must have known this woman. Of course, uh, 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 what you have written is, of course, part of her life, but I want to know more about her. I told her, Madam, if I have met this woman, I would not have written this book. I would have married her. <laughs> so, so the, it's real love. On the other hand, writing is an act of resistance. Yeah. To, to resist in the sense, in, in a major sense. I'm not speaking about political writing. I, I, write, I, write, I write political articles all the time. But when I write a novel, I go to somewhere, to, some, to, to, a, new, to a different place. <clears throat> this place is to resist through language, in the sense that through giving meaning <coughs> to language. What we are facing nowadays is a terrible moment where words are losing their meaning. And I think the, role, the major role of a writer is to give words back their meanings. Not only to invent new meanings, which of course this is this is part of 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 any any uh, writing process but to give words their meanings to give words back to their respect words are said in any way just go just look at any at any uh, 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 speech of president trump and you will realize that words are flying without meaning he can say any this man can say anything and he is the, the leader of the biggest superpower. He is the leader of the empire of our times. So the problem, and, and this, I, I said about Trump, but it, go, it can go through all popular culture, through many, many, many domains, and especially in the Arab world. In the Arab world where, where words with the, the types of, of dictatorships we are, we, are, we are living under became totally meaningless. They speak about freedom in order to open prisons. They speak about, about, uh, about, uh, about uh, liberation in order to, 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 to put, the, to, 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 to enslave people. So giving the words back their meaning is the act of resistance in writing. In this sense, I suppose that the writer has a role. It's a small role, of course. It's not very, maybe it's not very important. Uh, uh, but, of, but don't expect that a novel can make a revolution. Novels or, or poems do never made revolutions and never changed the world. Novels and poems and all, 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 all creative writings change the writing itself. That is, change our perspective. And when our perspective is changed, then something can happen, but in the long run. So you mm. see, it's, <coughs> if, if, if you are writing and you are waiting an outcome, you will be, you'll be 
in a total despair. You have to accept the fact that you're right and you don't know what will happen with, with what you are Thank doing. You. Thank you, Elias. You've actually touched uh, <clears throat> on many of the themes that I would like to discuss today, the state of despair, the Lebanese civil war, characters, audience, the author, writing and resistance and language. And I don't know really where to start from now, but I would like to start with a personal question that I've always wanted to ask you. Can we separate between Elias Khoury, the political activist, and Elias the Adib, the literature, the writer? Are these... You know, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't know both of them. <laughs> I, I would like... I would like nice. I would really. I'm not joking. I, I mean. I mean. Mm. I mean. Uh, 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 the act. The act. Uh, f- first of all, I, I write. I write articles. I'm not, I'm not a political writer, mm. and I'm not a political leader, and I'm not. Uh, I do not work in politics. I but write. You com- you're a commentator. Yeah, yeah, politics. of course. But I write. I I, com- <coughs> I I make comments, and I think this is my role as a citizen. Okay. That is. This is what all of us must do and those between us who can write they have to do that they have to do this in order in order to feel that we are acting in 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 the social uh, the social uh, in our social life and we are trying to 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 say the truth so the political writing the idea of political writing is to say the truth now Edward Said have put it say the truth to the power <laughs> I, 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 I'm more humble. Edward, Edward was my, my, my idol and my professor. Uh, 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 I would, I would, I'm more humble. I would put it like this, is to say the truth as much as we can reach the truth. While the novelist is not supposed to say the truth. You know, we Arabs... Uh, you know, you know this better than me, Bilal. This is, this, <laughs> uh, 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 the term of kazib of lie was used by the Arab critiques uh, as a synonym of the metaphor. Uh, 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 so the most beautiful poem is the uh, How say this in English? Is uh, the most. Uh, Untruthful. The most untruthful. But actually, actually, writing a novel is not to tell the truth. Yeah. But is it is to discover the truth through other ways. Yeah. So the, 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 the material you have is imagination, whereas in, 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 in an article, the material you have is reality. The mate- in, in literature, the material you have is imagination, and you have to make from this imagination real. And here, I would like to tell this story, which I love very much, which is the story that touched me the most in all my, my career as a writer. It was in December 2014. Uh, uh, a group of young, uh, about, 200, to, about 250, 300 uh, young uh, uh, men and women in Palestine went and occupied a place which was called Area E1, which is near in the outskirts of Jerusalem. E1 was supposed, was confiscated by the Israeli uh, occupying army uh, to build a a settlement. So these young people went and occupied the area and built 
a village with tents, of course, and they call the village Bebishams, the gate of the sun. And the most touching moment was the next day when all these young people gathered around fire and I saw them through Skype and they were reading from my novel. And at that moment, of course, the village was destroyed. Uh, our, our, our cousins, they don't tell But you became an honorary citizen of the, <laughs> of the village, right? Yeah, I, I, yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> which is no more. I mean, but at least now, now I, I, can, I can claim my right to return to Palestine because I have a village. <laughs> uh, it's a real right. But, uh, but uh, uh, the, most, the most important thing in that is, for, to my knowledge, this was one, this was the only time, maybe one of the rare times, that imagination becomes reality. Normally, reality, writers use reality to create imagination. Here, an imaginative village, because Baby Shams in the novel is a cave where uh, 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 the two lovers, Eunice, coming uh, from Lebanon, who, uh, he's Palestinian, of course, from, from Galilee, who was infiltrating the Israeli borders to meet his lover, Nahila. And, and, and they created a small, a small country. They called the country, they called it country, which in, in a cave in, in a village, uh, uh, in the village of Deir al-Assad, and they called it the Gate of the Sun. Now, now, this village, of course, after three days was destroyed. The Israeli army came and destroyed, destroyed it and took the guys, to many of them, to jail. But the village was recreated three times. And the third time, the, the name of the village war was the grandsons of Eunice. Eunice is the other uh, main character of the novel. And for me, this meant that sometimes, very rare, but sometimes literature can become reality. And sometimes our imagination can push people to create, to create something new. And I thought this action of, of these young Palestinian uh, men and women was very innovative, was very creative. Politically, it was very creative. And of course, for me, it was the biggest uh, prize any writer can have. You, yes, uh, <clears throat> I've been following your writings about the Syrian tragedy, uh, the Syrian people. And I know exactly your position. And I want to read a quotation first. Uh, you say in an article in Al-Quds al-Arabi in 2012, uh, that was six years ago, of course, describing the tragedy of the Syrians, and I translate, alone. They defend the dignity of man in all the lands of the Arabs. And alone, they bring back with their bloodshed the human and moral meaning of politics. What should I say to you, you say? You who are alone. Your aloneness compares only with the aloneness or loneliness of the Palestinian people. So this link that you make between Syria and Palestine, the Syrians and the Palestinians. I have a number of questions here. Is pain universal? Is the victim one and the same in as much as the persecutor one and the same? And then will you write or do you think about writing about Syria and the Syrians in the way you wrote about Palestine and the Palestinians? 
Now, I'll begin with the last question because it's the easiest. Uh, 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 Bilal, I, I did not write about the Palestinians. I wrote with the Palestinians. Mm. It's totally different. I mean, uh, 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 of course, many things in my in my novels related to Palestine, especially uh, Gate of the Sun, and then my name is Adam, the children of the ghetto, which is coming now in England, uh, in English. Uh, uh, I speak about places which I never visited, practically, mm. but... It was it was a way for me to to know things which I didn't know. That is to to travel because writing is a kind of of a, of a voyage. Since our Sindibad, you know, Sindibad used to 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 make his trips in order to come back to Baghdad to tell stories. Actually, of course, he he was interested in making these voyages, but the major reason of of traveling was to tell stories. So in this sense, I made these travels to to to, to write oh. stories. But I wrote with. My, with, the, with my experience with the Palestinians, the same way as I wrote about the Lebanese civil war and, and Beirut and so on, because this is my personal experience. So there is something related to, 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 to uh, a knowledge accumulated through time. Now, uh, 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 Syria, uh, Syria is, is a huge wound and it will stay a huge wound in the Arab world. I don't know if I if I I, I have the ability uh, uh, to 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 have uh, the possibility to live this type of experience, which normally I do when I write something. But I I I, I hope I can write something because here also Syria and and the disaster of Syria, because in Syria there was a revolution, a popular revolution, which was uh, was destroyed was which was uh, faced by a military uh, 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 in a very savage way by 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 the army and then something happened in Syria which is the revolutionaries themselves were uh, uh, totally uh, uh, separate uh, totally uh, became totally outsiders because new forces coming from different places, and here I'm thinking about the Islamists on both sides, because those who went to help the, the Syrian regime were Islamists, because it's not, not only Daesh are Islamists, the others also are Islamists. Uh, and, and of course, the, 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 the other, the Sunni uh, Islamism, both came to destroy uh, the Syrian, the Syrian possibility of creating a democracy. Now, now, why this happened? I'm so sorry to say, but I feel that it's our fault. It's the fault of people like us. This is what happened in Egypt. Also, there was a, a, a there was a great revolution in Egypt, a model to the world, this Midan Tahrir thing, which was destroyed practically by this alternation between the, the army and the Muslim Brotherhood. The same thing happened in Syria in a different way and in, in a more savage way. And, and, and people like us, that the, who are seculars, who are democrats, and so on, if they were not imprisoned by the regime, they were imprisoned by the Islamists. So, so the, when, when I think about, about the Syrian revolution, and about the Syrian hope, 
I really feel hopeless. And I meant also, of course, the refugees and the exiles. No, no, of course. Now, now we have six million the stories. No, no, six million Syrian refugees outside Syria, four million Syrian refugees inside Syria. We have ten million refugees out of a population of twenty-two million. Ten million stories. No, no, it's terrible. I mean, not stories. It's it's it's, it's terrible, and 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 you have. Not a repetition of Palestine. Of course, you no. cannot compare. I, I don't like this comparison. Uh, uh, but something as terrible, maybe, as the Palestinian thing, although this time it's more painful. Because it's more painful because since 1948, these military regimes came to power uh, 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 with, with their promise to liberate Palestine. They not only did not liberate Palestine, uh, 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 they, they destroyed Palestine, but also they destroyed our societies. So I think nowadays in the, in the Arab world, we, we feel that we have to begin from zero. I have this, the same fe- I have the feeling that my, my grandfathers of, of the late 19th, early 20th century felt when they were trying to build the new Arab consciousness uh, 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 at the moment of the collapse of the Ottoman Empire and the the European invasions of of the region. We are in a moment which is very similar, but it's more difficult, I think. It's more difficult because the hope that our ancestors had, we do not have. We have to invent also this hope. Thank you. Uh, I would like to go now into a part where I discuss with you the process of writing itself, okay. uh, rather than the content of uh, of your novels. Uh, <clears throat> you already mentioned Sindibad, right? How does the story begin, and where does the story come from? These are central questions in your literature. You are a writer concerned with form, who reflects deeply on storytelling and the process of storytelling. It's perhaps in this sense that you say that you are a student of the Arabian Nights. Uh, I've heard you say this before. In your literature, stories never end. Stories are born from stories, just like Shahrazad's stories. The beginning of the story, however, is the frame. And the question of the beginning is also the question of finding the frame and discovering meaning. And you just said also today, that uh, the writer needs to create the meaning or give value or meaning to the words. Uh, your novel, Children's of the Ghetto, My Name is Adam, now available in English and will be signed next week, I think, in, uh, in yes. Cambridge. Uh, so it's now available in English. So this novel is a perfect example of this. It is a novel that was described as not a novel, a novel in which the writer is both reader and interpreter. Why, why did you choose this form to write about the Palestine today? Have we, my question, so have we exhausted the story that to talk about the story is to talk about a way to narrate the story? Is, is there another way, in your opinion, to approach the question of Palestine uh, today? Look, Bilal, there, <clears throat> there are always other ways. 
I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, there is not only there will never be one way. Otherwise, we will be in a disaster. Uh, uh, my way is one of these other ways, mm. and of course, I respect all the other approaches. Actually, actually, I'm a student of of and in the Palestinian in the field of people like Emil Habibi and Hassan Kanafani mm. and Jabra Ibrahim Jabra, <coughs> whom I write totally in a different way from them. Nothing to, to do with them, but I think I, I, they learned me a lot, and they spoke, and, and they were the first to formulate the idea of Palestine in uh, the mm. novel, the same way as Mahmoud Darwish did to mm. formulate the idea of Palestine in poetry. Uh, now, now, the major issue in, in in this new novel was how to make silence speak. This was the big because. My my hypothesis mm. was I, I, the novel is taking for of course for for many of you who didn't read you you'll read it hopefully in in one month uh, when it will be available in English everywhere. Uh, the novel is about a special event that took place in Palestine in July uh, July August September nineteen forty eight. There was a city, uh, uh, the city of Lidda, which the airport now, if, you, if any one of you go to Tel Aviv, you will go to Ben Gurion Airport. This was the airport of Lidda. So this small city uh, of about 20,000 uh, inhabitants, uh, uh, of course, during, during the war of 1948, uh, its population became 50,000 because of refugees powering into it from all the surrounding villages. This village was occupied occupied uh, by this by 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 the Israeli army in 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 July in the twelfth thirteenth of July nineteen forty eight, and in that city happened one of the biggest massacres of Palestine, of the War of Palestine, and there was a clear order from Ben Gurion to kick the population out, so the fifty thousand were sent out walking. Uh, in the in the in the um, in the wilderness, and many of them died from thirst because it was very hot. And in that city was left a small community around the uh, around around the the big mosque, the cathedral of Saint George, and the hospital. And in this place, there was something like five hundred people. The Israeli army uh, 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 put. Uh, barbels, barbels. We say uh, wires. Put, okay. wire, put 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 wires, and imprisoned these people in that small area of Lidda. And the inhabitants of this small area heard from the Israeli soldiers that they are living in a ghetto. They have never heard the term ghetto before, and they thought that the term ghetto meant the place of the Palestinians. This experience was was a terrible experience, which was never written about, which took me a long, long time to collect the stories of it. But while while entering this situation, I realized that these victims were, I don't know if I can use the term absolute victims, but let's say total victims. They were totally helpless. 
And when you are in such a situation of victimization, it's very difficult to speak. So when, when I saw some of the people who lived the experience of the ghetto of Lidda, it was, very, it was nearly impossible to make them tell me stories what happened in the ghetto. Because silence covered them. And this happens actually to victims. This happens, this is what, what the, 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 uh, the Jews uh, who went through the terrible experience of the, of the concentration camps witnessed in Poland, for example, because in, in, in the novel I worked, a lot, I worked a lot about the ghetto of Warsaw also. Right. And, and so silence becomes dominant. So how to make silence speak? This is the major question. That is, to enter deeply more inside the tragedy. Not to speak about the tragedy as if I am describing it from outside. Uh, uh, in, in the gate of the sun, the form I played with was to put Eunice in coma. So he cannot speak, so he's in silence. But there is someone who is telling the story, who is Khalil, who is his adoptive son, let's say, uh, and he tells the stories of Yunus because Yunus couldn't speak. Mm. Now, actually, I couldn't find the Khalil. Everybody is silent. So how to make this silence speak? And, and, and the form that came out was to make a story about this issue. That is, the story is questioning, not only storytelling, but questioning all stories. And, and in this sense, questioning literature, it's questioning Ghassan Kanafani, it's questioning Emil Habibi, it's questioning Amos uh, Oz, uh, it's questioning uh, uh, many, many other writers. And trying to, to find a way to link the silence of the victims with a way of expressing, of, of, of make, giving them the possibility to express their experience. And I think this was the, this is the major difficulty in this in this this is a first uh, uh, volume of a, of a trilogy. This was the biggest uh, problem of this f the question of the of the first volume. Now, <clears throat> questioning writing gave gave the the writer who is not me actually the writer who is Adam Danoon and the story tells that I found the manuscript. The manuscript was given to me from a student of mine at NYU. Because at that time, when I began writing this novel, I was a professor at NYU, New York. And, and Adam is writing. He began by trying to write a, a metaphor, a novel <laughs> about Waddah al-Yaman, a poet of the, of the, of the Umayyad time uh, who died because of love. And then, he, and, then he discovered, and then when he knew his real story, because he never knew that he was not the son of his mother, that he was, he was, someone found him on, on the breast of his dead mother when the people were getting out from Lidda. So when he discovered this, and he was 55 years old, he thought that writing a metaphor is meaningless because he became a metaphor. Mm. His problem was, and, and the big question he's asking himself all the time, am I a metaphor? If I tell this story, then they will say, ah, this is a, metaphor about Palestine. Whereas he is not a metaphor. 
So, so he's trying, he's trying to, to formulate his story through engaging with questioning. This writing. is what I meant about, uh, you know, finding... Uh, yeah, and, 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 but, but this was the only way. If, if, if you are afraid from becoming a metaphor, and you are actually, your story must, will be read, mm. whether you, want, you, you li like it or not, will be read as a metaphor, then there is a big problem. And, and how he will try to get out of that, and I think getting out of that was one of the, of the major, of the major uh, 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 not techniques, let's say, approaches used was, no, there are two, two major approaches used. The first one was the personality of Mahmoud the blind, who is his friend, who is like his father, and who is the blind man who saw everything, which other people never saw. That, so you need to become blind in order to see what's happening, which reminds us of Alf Layli, uh, you see, in every time Shahrazad uh, finishing a story, she will tell if it was written with, with needles on the pupils of the eyes, which makes you blind. So in order to understand, you must become blind or through the mother who couldn't cry and never spoke. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> so this is the first in the tr trilogy, right? Yes. Okay, the second one will have a different... The second is coming out now in December. So yeah. you read it in Arabic. A different technique or...? Ah, totally. Yeah. Totally, okay. So uh, I have so many questions and I'm running out of time and I would like to take a few questions from the audience. So oh, that's all? I'll skip a few. You, you are... I want to talk about language, right? And uh, yes, uh, it's Go important. Ahead. You are the rare combination of an eloquent speaker and a writer. Of In your what? novels... Of you, what? Eloquent speaker. Yes. Just saw that. Thank you. <laughs> and? And a writer. Thank you. Right. Uh, so in your novels, as you tell stories, we experience the rare seamless combination of literary and vernacular language. Yes. Uh, right. Your translator even once said that uh, in the middle of the translation, he realizes that, oh, he's been translating vernacular. Right. And he wasn't aware of this. Uh, could you reflect on the use of language in your novels? Do you do it consciously? This, uh... you know, the most the most beautiful story about this happened uh, yeah. when I published uh, White Masks. The yeah. novel published in 1981. I was very very young, even younger than you, Bilal. <laughs> I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> you look very young. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. And 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 uh, a, a, a teacher gave it to to. to uh, her class in, in a secondary school in the high school and then she asked me to come to see the students and to discuss with them and the, stu the, pro the students couldn't say because I, I entered before discussing I told them close the books now tell me it was written in classical Arabic or, uh, or vernacular Arabic they couldn't tell mm. and I thought this is, I thought this was the biggest, and I, I felt, I felt that the the mission was done. Mm. That is how to put together, you know, because we know we are living. You know, we have to to. I'm, I'm, I, for for me, 
I love Arabic language. And I think this is Arabic. I'm not with this... Uh, no, of course, it's one language. No, no, the this tendency is to say language. that you have to make this spoken uh, classical, mm. I don't know, this uh, meaningless thing. Different registers of the same the, language. The, the different meaningless things, these <coughs> meaningless things as if yani, the, their model is the English or, or the yeah. French. The Italians have uh, uh, two languages, 10 languages. The Germans have 20 languages. <coughs> Having So... No, I'm not from that tendency. The thing is how to put, because we are writing a novel, and the novel is something new. Mm. Now, if you go back to 1001 Nights, which was, which is our model of writing stories, and my personal model, of course, mm. and I think it's the greatest book a human being, a human race wrote. In 1001 Nights, they play on these two registers. You jump from the classical Arabic to the spoken Arabic, and then you go back to the classical. You put them together because you have to tell a story, and you have uh, you have you have uh, uh, characters who speak, and you cannot do so without playing on these two registers, which for me is can be a great of a great uh, use in innovating the language. Yeah. Now, for example, I use, I use, I, I knew by hazard, I was in Yemen once, and, and the description of, of rain in Yemenite, in Arabic, in the spoken Yemenite, is, they say, Shanin al-Matar. This is how rain comes in our countries. Because still, I, I, I use this then, afterwards, I, I use this in, in one of my novels. Because before that, we used to say, Nakr al-Matar. But actually, the rain comes like a shanin, and and so learning from other, 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 other uh, 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 dialects in the Arab world will enrich our language, and and will will make us able to be to write the way we live. It's very important that our life and our writing be one and the same. The last thing in One Thousand and One Nights, which also I use, is that they they refer from time to time to poetry, as if poetry comes to give the meaning, the exact meaning, which the narrative cannot give. And right. I think this is very important in the technique of of storytelling. Technique from Ayam al Arab. This is a nightmare to your translator. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. Normally, my translators, uh, my translators, uh, and my English translator Humphrey Davis, who works uh, also, who made right. actually the one who translated Ahmad Fares Shidiak, will not uh, will not uh, find <laughs> okay. me difficult. But uh, no, normally I work very. Uh, I only know French and English, so mm. I work with my English and French translators, and it was all the time um, very interesting to work together. And and uh, their reactions were very very. Uh, Do you read your novels in English? <coughs> I read them while while yes while I read I read the draft after after, after in English and in French. Thank God I do not know other languages, so I okay. have nothing to do with other translations. And, and you've been happy in general? Uh, do you think the translator gives uh, the you know, meaning you intended? I intended. I don't know what I intended after time. This is not the issue. The issue is that. You know, in, in translation, you lose something. Of course. Of course. It's alienating. No, no, it's lose. The, the text will lose. Or something. gains. 
by definition. <laughs> but if the text cannot lose, I say 40% of its meaning and st still stay relevant, then it's not only irrelevant to be read in English, it's also irrelevant to be read in Arabic. Mm. So this, this loss, I've read the major literary works in translation. How did we read, how did we read the, the Russian Dostoevsky and, and Tolstoy, for example, or Brecht, or, uh, or the Epic of Gilgamesh? Or the Iliad. Translation is is the is translation is a way to show us that there is one human experience, and which is very, this is very important. Yeah, and it's which is which is of course represented through literature. I have a question that's uh, close to my heart, and I know your heart as well. In your critical pieces reflecting on the Lebanese wars, uh, civil wars in particular, of course, you hold that the generation, I think it was an article in Al-Abhath, uh, the, the journal yes. that I edit now, uh, you hold that the generations following the wars of the 19th century Lebanon did not write about these wars. On the <coughs> contrary, they tried to cover them, to efface them from the collective memory altogether. And this, of course, culminates in the songs of Fairuz on Lebanon, the mountain and the sun and the moon and yes. the beautiful Lebanon, the green Lebanon, etc. And you also, <clears throat> uh, and, and you say that this is why the wars were repeated uh, later, uh, because we did not talk about them. So you hold that your generation uh, did and is doing the opposite. They say things as they are and write about the ugly presence with all its contradictions. So my question is, do you think that the Lebanese novel has succeeded in this, in writing the civil war? And if so, why are we still repeating these wars? You know, first, uh, I think the, the Lebanese novel uh, succeeded in becoming a novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, at becoming a, a, let's say, a literary, uh, uh, a literary wave. Because before the, the novels written after 75, of course, we had novels in Lebanon. We had, we had great novelists like... like Yusuf Awad. Yusuf Awad, Yusuf Ashar. But we didn't have a novelist atmosphere. Mm. The atmosphere was totally a, a poetic atmosphere. It was totally dominated by poetry. What the new Lebanese novel uh, 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 succeeded in doing was to create the novel. That is, And, and it, it succeeded in creating the novel because... Contrary to our ancestors, whom I understand, you know, when you come out from a, from a, civil, a savage civil war uh, uh, that Karl Marx called, uh, when Karl Marx was asked about, what wrote about the Lebanese civil war of the 19th century, he, he wrote about, about uh, the savage tribes of Lebanon. Uh, uh, when you speak, when you, when you, when you deal with, with a, a, a sectarian war, it's, it's shame. It's a shame how to write it, you know, and and what and this is why they didn't write it, and they tried to 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 formulate this idea of national unity, nationalism, Arab nationalism, whatever. When this when our civil war began, we were faced by the fact that all this ideological structure was nothing, was meaningless. Mm. So that this this cultural. Uh, 
uh, uh, structure was covering reality. And I think one of the roles of, of the writer is to, 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 to speak uh, with the reality, not to speak reality, because you cannot, but to, to make a dialogue with reality. And in this sense, and I remember once I met Emil Habibi after the publication of my one of the first novels, Jabal Sagir, Little Mountain, which was actually the first novel about the Lebanese Civil War. It was published in 78. Emil Habibi told me, how dare you? You speak about Christians and Muslims. I said, Emil, because we are Christians and Muslims. It doesn't need to be a dairy to say things like that. He said, yeah. I never use, I all the time use uh, neutral names. I do not yeah. use neither Muslim nor Christian name. I told him, but Emil, your name is not neutral. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, uh, arriving to the, to, the, to the college to speak with this reality, I think we were able to get out from this world of Mahmal, uh, 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 of uh, mm. Mahmal. Uh, dreamy, or no, no, no. Yeah, of, of this dreamy world of, of Akhawir Rahbani or uh, uh, the megalomania of Saeed Ael, yeah. uh, uh, and, and to approach reality. And in this sense, now we have, in, for the first time, you have a big group of Lebanese novelists, who most of them are very good. Of course, we are very, they are different in their styles, in their approaches, and in their political affiliations, whatever, but at least they created this atmosphere which makes, which gives the society its mirror. You cannot live without a mirror or with a false mirror. So, so here literature gave us a mirror now why the wars will continue and, and we wrote them, you are totally right. I mean, I mean, it seems that... We don't read. <laughs> not only we don't read, it seems that, uh, that uh, uh, we, have, we have an essential problem, which is sectarian politics. And without getting rid of sectarian politics, we Lebanese will stay in this vicious circle of continuing civil war. Uh, you mentioned, you just mentioned uh, a new generation or the people writing now. Uh, so today there's a new generation of writers exploring new ways of expression, especially when it comes to narrating uh, the Iraqi and Egyptian present. I'm specifically thinking about Al-Tarid uh, or Frankenstein fi Baghdad and, and these novels. Yes. So these novelists have written works of magical realism, fantasy, rich with symbolism. How do you evaluate this new wave of literature? I think, look, uh, there is something very, very uh, terrifying. Mm. I'm sorry to say this. <clears throat> that if you go to Syria, also the explosion of the Syrian novel took place when Syria went through ashes. Right. The Iraqi novel is becoming a real movement after the disaster of Iraq. And it seems that uh, in the Arab world, contrary to the history of the European novel, which came out with the uh, 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 bourgeois revolution and, and with the industrial revolution and so on, our novel is, 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 is being created in the ashes of our societies. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a major theoretical uh, uh, issue which must be studied. Now, when you are in this situation like that, 
it's very uh, uh, it's natural to 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 see all different all possible ways of writing mm-hmm. from magical realism to realism to uh, meta realism to uh, 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 fantasy and so on because people are searching for their language and for their mirrors and this is very very important يعني, يعني, you said Frankenstein in Baghdad I can I can I can speak about about many many novels uh, uh, in Iraq Sinan Antun or in Syria or not even or a novel a novel like Al-Qawqa'a it's wonderful uh, like Al-Qawqa'a which is a novel about the story of of the Tadmur prison in Syria Tadmur prison you cannot imagine what does it mean Tadmur prison where people are left in the desert uh, and the way they are treated is unbelievable. So uh, 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 this novel, Qawqa'a, when, when I first read it, I never thought of the style. The, the, the shocking reality was so huge that it's not important, the style, at all. Then afterwards, you realize that they realize that this was the beginning and you need a style over it. Mm. in order to express uh, these, this profound experience. So I think there is a huge explosion in modern Arabic literature. Unfortunately, uh, 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 our societies are collapsing and we are trying to write. And I don't know this combination, how it will, uh, it will work and how historians after, afterwards will evaluate us But at least, at least, as I told you, we tr- I tried, and my colleagues tried to write both with this idea of love and resistance. Uh, my last question to you, and then we'll open the floor to the audience. Uh, in a recent lecture in Beirut, you said, we are the post-despair generation. Jeel ma ba'dil yassi. Oh my God. <laughs> What is left is silence, and you reference Hamlet here. Uh, you say, I, as I remember, I wasn't there, but I saw the video, uh, that uh, three statements of Hamlet were influential in modern Arabic literature, and this is one of them, of course, uh, that what is left is silence. And you, you talked a lot about silence also today. Uh, silence, however, is death by default. In the same lecture, you also described the beauty of the victims. This was terrifying to me. Uh, the beauty of the victim's silence in front of their pers- persecutor. This is what is left. Uh, so are we truly a generation of silence? This is comes the silence. And my personal no, question no, no, to no. you, have you lost hope? No, no. First, first, of, all, uh, first of all, you have to read the lecture. The idea mm. was, no, no, you are right. This is what mm. I said. I, I, I mentioned Shakespeare, uh, this, uh, this major sentence in, in, in Hamlet. Uh, uh, the rest is silence and the interpretations of it. Mm. Uh, my interpretation that uh, in, in the text of Shakespeare, the rest is silence because he, he was asking Horatio to tell the story after him. Right. So, so actually there is, there is this combination between silence and telling. That is, mm. silence is part of the process of telling. It's not totally isolate, isolated from telling. It's not contrary to telling. Now, now, so it's not the end of speech. It's the beginning. Of it's speech. the beginning. It's the end of the end of a way of speech. 
anticipated speech. Yeah, and and yeah. Now, now, <coughs> now. Uh, 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 what I think, what I think is that, of course, we are the generation of the silence of our societies. Our societies are totally silenced. Although inside the silence there was a huge cry of hope, which was the Arabic uh, revolutions, which was destroyed, which which creates this creates this post despair mm. feeling. Uh, uh, but but I think that our role is to uh, uh, to uh, negotiate with silence, mm. to speak with, to make silence speak. In this sense, the silence of the victims is, first of all, is, is much more beautiful than the than the uh, existence of the of the uh, 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 perpetrators. Of course, but but this is not the issue. The issue is that the silence of the victims is in is showing us a new way how to speak. We cannot mm. speak in the same way. We cannot have hope the same way as we had hope because it was it was a, 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 a mirage. We have to speak in a new way. In this sense, this silence is very, very, very important, and it represents our experience, the Arab experience, the profound experience of Bilad Sham, of Lebanon, Syria, Palestine, uh, since the uh, Nakba of 1948. Sophia, there is hope. <laughs> Do you have hope? I don't like the term hope. Mm. I don't think uh, I don't think the term hope uh, is enough. We have to invent another term. You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu institute.